Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Shara Hughes is a painter from Atlanta whose work connects to early modernist painting and Fauvist color, but is extremely fresh and vibrant. Her recent show, Trips I've Never Been On at Marlboro Gallery, was received extremely well by press and fellow artists alike. I caught up with her in her Greenpoint studio to chat about the joys of residencies, country music, and reality about reality shows. Here's our conversation. So about you. Okay. Um... Where, where are you from? Well, how did it start? Um, I'm from Atlanta, and the deep south. Deep south, um, and grew up there, and then went to art school at, at RISD mm-hmm. in 2000. Graduated in 2004 in my undergrad, and then I didn't I didn't do grad school. Was that a like going from the south to you know the northeast? Was that your first stint um, in the north, like living? Yes. So was it culture shock? Yeah, it was because I was like kind of a hippie uh-huh. and was like, you know, really into fish and widespread panic and like string cheese incident and had like the hemp necklace and broom skirt. And then when I went when I went to art school, it was like nobody was really like that. So I was like, oh, I thought I thought that was cool. And yeah. it, it didn't. It wasn't. Uh, <laughs> they didn't think it was cool. No, but it's artsy. <laughs> yeah, it's different. It was yeah. different, but I felt like I felt like I was gonna fit in, but it, I don't know. And then I quickly got self conscious. Oh jeez, you yeah. had to adapt. <laughs> yeah. What, what, what was the adapt? What did you adapt to? I guess I was very quiet through like most of RISD yeah. until like maybe the last year. I started to speak up a little bit, but I feel like I never really was as like outspoken as I am now like I don't I don't know it's hard like you're just judged the whole time and you got to find your style and you got to be you but if you have no idea what that means Mm -hmm. you're just kind of like going in circles and like I was like more of someone who kind of like stood back and observed and watched how it all worked right and then um at the end I feel like I kindly I finally kind of figured it out yeah. enough <laughs> to be able to feel like I was um, could make sense out of what I was sort of making but yeah it took a long time yeah, I mean I feel like we're still doing out, that right you know yeah. you start start the process of figuring things out I guess. did yeah. you have like a mentor or someone like a teacher someone who or even a fellow student I mean did you have people that kind of you felt comfortable with and um, who were believers I feel like sometimes in school maybe more so in grad school because everything gets so specific yeah in undergrad maybe it's a little freer you know what I mean yeah I feel like there wasn't necessarily one person specifically I, I remember like certain teachers that were very helpful mm-hmm. like Holly Hughes was awesome yeah. she said a couple of things that have always stuck with me um, but I think one of the big things for me was I got like um, a residency award to go mm-hmm. to Oxbow between junior and senior year. And going there and kind of like starting over 
yeah. with all these other artists was one of the things that I felt like was super important for me because it was a different kind of confidence. Yeah, It wasn't like, oh, you're this same person that we've been working with for three years in art school. What are you going to do this year? It's sort of like starting over. Yeah. Um, New audience, too. Yeah. Like everyone around you isn't familiar with your work or yeah. hasn't seen it developing. You know, that yeah. was, that's the cool thing about Skowhegan, too, I think, is you just show up with a, a bunch of other people who are doing their thing. And, yeah, you know, for sure. There's no real lineage. I mean, you're just there nine weeks. It's nine weeks, I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're just there. It happens and then yeah. you're gone. <laughs> yeah, and there's like no competition because yeah. everyone's already in. So you're just sort of like, okay, we're here. Yeah, let's hang out. Let's hang out and see what happens. <laughs> yeah, and even the the teachers, I feel like it's it's not like a tenured thing. You know, they're just there for a summer. So like, yeah. yeah, let's hang out too. Yeah, talk about work. No pressure. Yeah. So whenever you were done in Rhode Island, did you stick around in Rhode Island? Or did you just get out of there mm, right away? I left and went on I think I moved back to Atlanta but did a residency quickly after mm-hmm. um, in Vermont Vermont Studio Center and then I kind of did the residency tour for about four years I was gonna say that's you hit them yeah you, <laughs> you went through I did a lot of them yeah um, was it different each time as far as what it meant to your work or did it just give you a chance to do what you were doing I think it just gave me a chance to make a lot of work and um the first residency I went to outside of the Vermont Studio Center outside of school was um where I met a friend who kind of got me involved with Rivington Arms Mm -hmm. and so I kind of started showing in New York around the same time as when I left RISD Mm -hmm. and at the same time was going to all these residencies and meeting new people so it gave me a chance to save money because I wasn't spending anything, yeah. make a lot of work, meet people, and still could do this exhibition thing. Yeah. Um, so, and figure out how that works. Right. Um, so I kind of got lucky on that first residency with meeting this one girl. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and I think so, yeah, back to, was it helpful for my work? I think it was because I had the time. Um, and I didn't have to worry about jobs or anything because I'd always just go back to my parents in Atlanta in between. Yeah. Um, and I think it also, so I think it, the focus that I had really increased. Yeah. Um, there was like no distractions because I just kept moving around from place to place making work. Which is like the secret of being able to make work, right? Creating yeah. a condition where you can pretend like the real world doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Which is like the, the golden time. That's why everyone, when they get out of school and they think back, they wax poetic about how great school was because, oh, wait, I had this time where I could just sit in a box yeah, and ignore the real world and just make work. And residencies are really good for that, too, because yeah. they're kind of like the chance to get back to do doing that for a little bit. Yeah. And you don't even have to think about what you're going to eat that day because you just have to be at lunch and you yeah. show up. <laughs> I blew it. I did mine right after grad school. I, well, I guess I could maybe try to get in a few. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those are like good. You know, when I was at Skowhegan, I remember a few of the artists who were at that point. I thought, wow, these people are a little bit older. Yeah. Yeah. And now they don't seem that old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then I was like, I wonder, you know, and now looking back, it must have been so nice because if. You know, the people who used to tell you, don't go right into grad school, don't go right into a residency, go out and live in the real world. 
Yeah. And that's just like to understand how shitty it is. And yeah. then, you know, <laughs> you'll figure it out. Yeah, like yeah. it's pretty shitty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh, and then you'll go back to heaven for a little while and just they'll feed you and you make work in the woods or whatever. Yeah. Which is a total, you know, advantage. Yeah. So when you moved to the to New York, you had a pretty good network or you were meeting a bunch of people and Yeah. So when I moved to New York in two thousand eight, mm-hmm. I believe, um I I had only lived here for like eight months, so it wasn't even a full year. Yeah. Um I was in sort of a network, but at the same time like a lot of the people my age weren't really showing that much. Mm-hmm. So, and I didn't know many people older and I didn't know really how to like get out and network that much. Um, So I didn't, I don't think I was ready for it here. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like Facebook wasn't even much of a thing then. So there wasn't that extra like network of reaching out just at home. The social media. Yeah. Connection. Yeah. Yeah. Like you had to actually go to the events to then reach out that way like in person yeah which is harder than it is now because you can just be like hey i'm gonna let's do studio visits on uh you know in instagram or facebook yeah and you don't have to know them you don't have to like speak to them in person until they come to your studio right right um so i feel like it was a different it was different then um or at least i didn't know how to play it that way mm-hmm. so um i left after eight months and well, I had an opportunity to go to Denmark and live there for a little bit um, and make work for a show. So I kind of just moved out of New York. Was um, that a gallery show? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what year was that? That was 2008. Yeah. Yeah. Denmark's amazing. Yeah. It's really nice. So nice. Yeah. So, yeah. So that gallery um, was like, it's, you know, would you like to, we have this summer house at the very north of Denmark. Oh, yeah. I think I know. You know uh, it? Michael Anderson? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. Yeah, I met him whenever I spoke to the Royal Academy there. I yeah. did a, a visiting artist gig and I, I met him there. Oh, cool. Yeah. Super nice. Yeah. You know, as soon did you get to go to his house? Yeah. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. <laughs> so I worked in his, at the studio house for two summers. Nice. Um, and they were like, it's basically cheaper for us to fly you here to make the work than fly the work the work yeah. and I was like that's fine <laughs> right I would love to live on in a summer house all summer you know when you get to the airport that that place has got it right I mean this yeah. the design and beauty of it's crazy you know and then you fly back to JFK and you're like oh God, <laughs> why am I <laughs> I know I Wait, know why do I live here <laughs> yeah it's it's it I was like I in my mind I was like oh I'm living in like an anthropology catalog yeah that's you know in everyone gets so much time off they have to take six weeks off so that's why everyone has these summer homes so everyone is up back and forth um from copenhagen to like the north of denmark to live in their like beautiful cottage they figured it out <laughs> i know i remember at the school you know how sometimes in when you're in art school or whatever school you're in there's a little area with like a microwave from 1972 that has like it's microwaved 40,000 microwavable popcorns and has yeah. that smell. And then there's yeah. a coffee maker that's like Mr. Coffee from 19... 19- it's like they sticky. Had like, <laughs> they had in their school like an espresso machine. It was just like yeah. one of those huge... Yeah. They figured it out. Very clean. Huge like, studios. Like yeah. It was, yeah, conducive. Yeah. Making. Feels good. Feels, feels like clean and I don't know. 
Um, yeah, so that was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then they invited me back the second year to do make work for a show at their space in Berlin. So um, I, I used that as an excuse to move out of New York. Right. Um, and then once I got back from those things, I ended up finding a studio in Atlanta that was huge mm -hmm. and cheap. And so I just ended up staying there for about five years Yeah. until I moved here two years ago. So you, you had a lot of time to, to build up work and to, you know, yeah. come to terms with what you did after school yeah. in a kind of conducive environment. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that was important for me to be able to figure. I mean, it, it takes a lifetime to figure something out. So and we like, never figured out. Yeah. That, really. <laughs> That's the, you feel like you're just getting closer. To yeah. Figuring it out. That's what keeps you busy, but also is like endlessly frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think that, that the time of just making and making and making was important for me. Yeah. Um, I was lucky enough at the time to be able to have opportunities to show mm -hmm. and for it to kind of keep me going for a little bit so that I didn't have to have like a nine to five or right. um, even a part time for, for a lot of years. Um, and you're traveling and experiencing. I mean, I talked yeah. to a, a lot of artists about that. F how does travel affect your work or does it affect your work? And, yeah. you know, all the things you see and working in different environments. I mean, in the past, I think I had a long time in Brooklyn where I was just working in my studio every day and then I started traveling more. Yeah. And now I'm a little more nomadic about my studio. Like I'll work, you know, in between places and I really like, you know, travels entered my work literally like where I go I take photos and it's it's a big part of it but yeah, yeah. did it have an effect on you working in these different spaces um I mean I don't think like the outside world really did mm -hmm. um I think that the process of being in a different space physically um was helpful just for like clearing out some other junk that I had just left yeah. at other places but I feel like whenever I get in my studio, I'm pretty much like in my own world anyways. Mm -hmm. So I think maybe like light would affect the work, yeah. but um, I'm a lot of the work comes from like personal things that I'm dealing with like in my life at that time. Mm -hmm. um, so I mean, now I'm making these landscapes and I'm living in New York City, so <laughs> you know. Is it's, that it's not really a rejection, it just kind of happened. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, you know, I, I think it has something more to do with like a psychological space yeah. that I'm in um, than it does like the outside world kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So, um, but you've, there's figurative elements in, you know, some of your paintings and then yeah. landscape or interior. I mean, there's always, it, it seems to be maybe not literally about our world, but these worlds that are yeah. reflecting our world, you know? Yeah. So do you float in and out of the figure and you're interested in the figure? Yeah, definitely. Um, I feel like even the landscapes now are portraits, you know, they're, they're set up in a portrait, um, you know, they're not in the landscape um, uh, orientation, but I also see them as interiors and I feel like they're about like an inner world or mm -hmm. like, how I see things um, that relate to my life inwardly and outwardly. Yeah. So um, 
I think that even even like trees are figures in the work. So mm-hmm. I I think that's always been something. An absence of figure is important too. Yeah. Um, because then the viewer becomes the figure, and right. like you're the experiencing way th- the landscape. Right? Yeah, yeah, and I think a lot of reasons why I put the borders. Um, or like a, an entryway makes the viewer feel like they're in it mm-hmm. so that there is like an actual figure but you're experiencing it as that person. Yeah. You know, I, I, the work that I was, I'm working on now for a show which is all this kind of orientation which is, you know, the portraiture mm-hmm. orientation but small work. Yeah. Uh, I didn't realize it until, you know, reflecting on the work and making a bunch of it that I think a lot of it has to do with traveling and then taking photos with an iPhone where it that aspect ratio is yeah i mean you can tilt your phone but if you're going quickly like it's it's i feel like technology you know my work has been influenced by that and affected by that as i think all of us have in one way or another whether it's a rejection of it or whether it's the way we process information or yeah but thinking about how that ratio of looking might be changed by the way people default to taking photos or seeing the world through these cameras yeah I mean I didn't even think about that but that's so true like I've I was in a conversation with my friend last night and she's doing the same they're Mm -hmm. all vertical and she was like it's so hard to do something horizontal and I was like I can't do it like I don't want to do it either it doesn't make sense for the work but it's it's I wonder if that has a lot to do with it. Unconsciously, it might. I mean, yeah. I didn't even realize it until... So I'm taking all these photos in Japan and using those as a reference. And then I make a painting and then I go to take a picture of it to send to someone. And it mm. fits perfectly in my yeah. iPhone. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like that size. And I'm changing the photograph. It's yeah. not like I'm just using a photo. I tweak them and play yeah, with it. Yeah, yeah. But I hold it up and it's the same <laughs> so ratio. And I was like, oh... That's like that's the pretty light obvious. moment, you know. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's kind of iPhoney in a way. Yeah. But I don't take photos with, you know, I used to have a Canon, like a bigger yeah. camera, but now so much of like what I'm seeing, we have this obsession with this being speedy and our ability to capture an image or a moment. Yeah. That yeah. The iPhone does it or whatever phone you have, but you know, yeah. your phone, which you could just whip out real quick and take that photo, becomes such a an important part, I think, of how we experience. Yeah. The world for good or for bad. I mean, it is what it is. Totally. I mean, I even I like taking photos of the work in my studio and then looking at it on my phone because it gives you a different distance. Yeah. And like I can solve problems that way. Um, I don't like to lean on it, but I feel like there is something else that has to do with that kind of distance. Yeah. Well, I think in your your stuff is so far from being like I wouldn't even think oh she's just using a photo and tweaking it it oh, feels yeah. very inventive and yeah you know, no I'm not looking yeah. at photos <laughs> yeah, I think I ride that danger zone a little more <laughs> a little more explicitly than you know I've heard some critics in the past say that photo you know everyone's heard the photography is like the death of painting and yeah I think it could be but it can also be really interesting it depends on how you use it I think yeah definitely I mean I feel like David Hockney talked about that for a, lo- a while. Yeah. Um, kind of changed the game a little bit. But I remember in school, like, it was like, no, you, you should never look at a photograph to make paintings. It was like yeah. a really big deal. It's that and never use black. Yeah. Not allowed. <laughs> yeah. For a long time, I just thought, I looked at a black tube of paint, it just sat there full, and I was like, no, can't use it. At <laughs> <laughs> a certain point, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I can use These this. These rolls are fake. I can, I can use this. Is it really? Like, yeah. Yeah, so... 
it's it's funny like what you're taught and like how that comes into play later on and thinking about you know all the the a younger generation of artists who won't know what it's like to not filter images through yeah technology it's crazy like a lot of the i mean like we were talking about this the other day um just the like we sit around here with books in our studio and i keep them open on the ground and like i'll subconsciously look at them while i'm painting while i'm painting but now kids are just like instagramming and like next 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 and it's in their mind for a second and then it's gone yeah Whereas like holding a tangible thing and kind of like leaving it around mm-hmm. while you're making stuff is is what we grew up doing. Yeah. Um, and then like going to young kids' studios, I'm like, where are the books? They don't. Yeah. Not so into it. Yeah. Well, Rembrandt's not Instagramming. Like, what is it, you know? How are you going <laughs> to see what he's making? <laughs> With all these books, this what you get. The books are so heavy. <laughs> and like I forget to return yeah I remember when I was in undergraduate school my uh, studio mate Gerald Davis he's a painter yeah. you know he would have I'd walk in and like it felt like every day there was a different 10 books yeah like there would be a Turner day where there's just all these Turner books and, yeah you know and I kind of learned I think unconsciously like oh yeah I should be keeping these around and thinking it's almost like you just you know that idea of like you're reading a book and you can't really get you're, if you're having a hard time focusing on it and you yeah. stick it under your pillow yeah yeah and osmosis like <laughs> yeah. infinite jest will just rise into your brain God, well it's kind of awesome. like having all these books around your studio and you're just looking you're not like yeah mining it necessarily for oh, i'm going to use that quarter of the page but you're just hoping yeah. and looking yeah. and those things come out and that's what happens when you go to museums and you're going to other galleries you're just kind of looking but all that visual information just goes in there and it's yeah it kind of builds your lexicon of like things that you've seen or ideas and yeah you know, I, I mean know. I think Instagram's a great tool for for that but at the same time it's hard you know it's a promotional tool yeah at the end of the day too um, I mean you can curate your own page which is inter- interesting but like for actual studio use that mm-hmm. it's a little trickier yeah um, I don't know it just it, it feels for me, it feels better to have books around, and like I'll Google a lot of things and keep them up on my computer. Mm-hmm. But um, especially if I don't have like, you know, I want to see like monks like late paintings, and I don't have that book or something. Yeah. Um, but it, I don't know. There, there's something that I really love about having them around and just like putting them out on the ground or just like looking at the names and being like oh yeah I remember that one painting maybe I don't even open up the book yeah but it pops in my head and then I can like go from there yeah. from like a memory or something and it, they're physical objects and I feel like that's what we deal with you know we're yeah. being in the studio is such a physical activity yeah you know um we I was just listening to uh, William O'Brien talk about oh, his cool. studio practice and talking about how like athletic like he sees it kind of like sports or athletics uh-huh and <laughs> that he does like two hours of yoga before he goes to the studio oh awesome and which is amazing but he's talking about how you know being in the studio is physical yeah and your body it's it's very much like sports in a way or like yeah. you know being active and you're stretching like when you're looking at books and when you're you know working through supplies and stuff you, it's kind of like your your gym or your yeah. fitness yeah you know? totally and it's like something that you have to keep keep up i know every time i'm away from the the act of being in the studio for a little while from traveling or something you do feel that that same rust, like if you haven't played a sport for yeah. a couple of weeks and you're yeah. like, oh, I got to get back in there and, and do it. Can you talk about these small pieces in relation to the bigger ones? 
in the different approach you take or how it's different or if it's the same? Yeah. Um, so the small paintings are all actually pretty much the same size or smaller than the drawings I make, mm -hmm. but they're totally different. Um, I feel like the small ones are way harder to make and they take way longer to make than the bigger ones. Um, probably because of the sheer surface area. Um, and then like I'm using the same kind of tools that I am with the larger ones, but they take up more space. So, you know, one mark on a large canvas is takes up the whole surface of the smaller ones. Um, so it's harder for me to figure out how to resolve them um, and make them still feel big when they're small. Yeah. Um, and I notice... <laughs> oh, I'll edit that out. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I noticed... <laughs> Sorry. So in these ones, I'm noticing a lot of suns and moons, too. Is that something that... Can you talk about, like, your influence and, like, what you look at as inspiration? I'm sure it's everything, but maybe... Um, yeah. I mean, the suns and moons thing, I think, in a lot of, a lot of ways, it um, gives a reference for it being a landscape. Like, uh, these are obviously landscapes, I think, because um, there's a horizon and some kind of a tree in each one. Um, but sometimes like the moon and the sun kind of anchors it in a way mm -hmm. um, and it gives it like a very long distance um, whereas sometimes it could feel up close you could be looking at something really really tiny but if there's like a moon in it or a sun it means like it's it's larger yeah are you a fan of Japanese prints yeah because there's a, a lot of times a, a kind of you know, a moon or a sun weight to those images. Yeah, and they're kind definitely. of flatten out, but there's that, and they're usually full, you know? It's yeah. such a kind of graphic element, like this circle, this hole in the, yeah. the image, but it's something that's it means so much to the picture, I feel like. Yeah, definitely. It, it definitely has, like, a different weight. And, yeah. like, even, like, where it is in relationship to the horizon. Like, if it's really close to the horizon, it feel the painting feels different. Yeah. It feels like heavier whereas like if it's higher it feels lighter yeah um so i i like that tool for sure um but yeah as far as people that i look at i'm, I'm looking at like you know um marsden hartley milton avery forrest bess um and then at the same time i'm looking at like elizabeth murray mm -hmm. and like alice neal um you know, it, it's a wide range of people all the time. Yeah. Um, so a lot of times it's like I'm looking for someone for color, and sometimes it's like I'm looking at someone else for, like, little pockets of information or yeah. or construction. Um, Paint strokes, just the different yeah. ways people are, like, making marks. And yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think, I think my paintings are very much, like, a collage of a lot of different people mm -hmm. that's kind of melted its way into my own style. Um, it, well, the painting started out more literally as like a collage of a lot of different people back when I was in school. Yeah. Um, and then I feel like that got kind of cheesy and mm -hmm. easy. Um, but uh, and and now it just kind of turned into what I do. But it it is a lot of, of me looking at other people and reacting to it, although it doesn't look exactly like 
you know, I'm looking at like a Caravaggio or something. Right. But like, that's what I'm looking at. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like recently, maybe I'm totally wrong, but um, more recent work has this this different kind of deep space, but it's flattened out too at the same time. Yeah. But there's like more room to breathe maybe in these yeah. landscapes. That yeah. In the past where, I don't know, it was a fracturing of the picture and things were busier and they felt like they were coming forward at you. Yeah. Whereas these have, you know, they do still come forward, but there's this, there's also this like air in it. Where yeah. There's, I feel like there's definitely more breathing room around each object, whereas before it felt more like puzzly. Yeah. You know, um, which I don't think was bad either, but I just, it, it feels like it's more, it's, it's freer and ex- more expansive now. Yeah. Do you work one at a time or do you work on a bunch at once? The small ones are like all, all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, they are like rarely finished, but, um, the large ones is more like one at a time. Yeah. Yeah. I always get this thing where I feel like if I work on more than one, the palettes are going to merge or I'm uh, just yeah. going to be like, I Oh, fear. <laughs> there's some paint. I'll just use that for that too. And they'll yeah. start to look similar. Yeah. I, I feel like I'm, I'm lazy in that way where I'm like going to like have separate palettes for separate paintings. Yeah. So if it's on the same palette and I'm doing two paintings, it's going to probably be similar. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And not to geek out on materials, but what's your, I mean, what's your primary or like what's your material situation like oil paint um, acrylic or yeah like oils acrylics enamels spray paint and use airbrush um flash paint uh i use a lot of like rnf sticks mm-hmm. um uh so pretty much like oh caulking um I, I i use a lot of different materials but like in the right technical way so yeah. they're not going to fall off in two years um but I'm now I'm preparing the surfaces really different yeah. in each area so that it does get some kind of a bigger push and pull with the air and the distance between like characters. Yeah. You don't want that phone call two years later. <laughs> part of the painting fell off. Can, yeah. you, can you come over uh, and fix it for me? <laughs> I've had that phone call once. Yeah, those are not good phone calls. No, I learned. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, <laughs> then you have to make a little visit. I had a one, I, I use an X-Acto a lot and I yeah. cut in the tape and I had someone who had a painting of mine and it was like, there's a hole in the painting. I just noticed it. You got to fly out here. It was in oh Chicago and fix this hole. Sew it up. And then I said, well, it, that's a flight. Can you just take a picture of it? And he sent a picture and it was just like, it was thick paint and it's where yeah. the X-Acto just cut. It wasn't a hole in the canvas or anything, oh. but... You know, you don't like, those aren't good phone calls. No. Go archival. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So um, the last thing that I wanted to touch on was music. Like what is coming from Georgia in the South? Has that had an influence at all? Yeah. Um, I mean, I I like, I listen to a lot of country. Yeah. Um, Like, you know, hot hits country at, at the same time as old country. Parental influence? Um, yeah. Yeah. My dad loved like Jim Croce. Yeah. Um, we have a tree farm in South Georgia that uh-huh. um, we grew up going to. And I remember my dad would always play like his old tapes down there. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had a record player, but he was always like winding these tapes up with pencils and like playing those instead. <laughs> <laughs> cassettes, right? Yeah, cassettes. Yeah. <laughs> remember those? Um, uh, and then, so I think there's a lot of that influence. Um, and then, um, yeah, I listen to pop music and I'll, I'll listen to like 
as far as it goes to like old 90s stuff that I grew up on or like um, Metallica. I mean, there's a wide range. It, yeah. it depends on my mood um, a lot of times, but uh, or I'll listen to like a Spotify radio station. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes like, you know, click on like to certain ones that'll go into my song mm-hmm. bank and then just kind of do like a... Um, a shuffle on that it's so easy to curate these days isn't it, it is <laughs> <laughs> just hit like and you got a whole new playlist yeah it wasn't so easy back in the day no I well you had to make the, the consecutive we could do the mixtapes yeah remember but you had to like listen to it in the order yeah because, like an know. album yeah you didn't want to rewind and like fast forward through yeah things. that meant that was a commitment yeah yeah, you just. But there's something so nice about that too. Like yeah. it's like listening to the full record all the way through. Yeah, and you really curated when you made a mixtape. You yeah. thought about it. Yeah. And you know you tried to time it so the flip of the tape wouldn't be in between songs. Yeah, especially <laughs> if you're recording from the radio. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> oh, yeah, that happened. <laughs> so, but in the studio, you're you're a music while you work, or you're yeah. a silence person. No, music all the time. Um, I've I've got into the habit of watching um, the voice in American Idol. Oh really? Yeah, and it's it's interesting to me because like um, there's I've been thinking about that a lot recently. There's something about it that I really enjoy, like watching these people like form their own selves, mm-hmm. and I think that has some kind of connection to art. Um, I mean, they you know they're artists as well, but like having them have coaches, watching them have coaches and like getting their feedback and how they're, they're kind of helping them find themselves and then their performances and how emotional it is. There's something that I really like about having that in the studio as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, I feel like it's a little bit silly, but like I, for some reason this past year I've gotten really into it. Yeah. Um, however, it does take away from like me actually making work because yeah, I'll just yeah, like yeah. look at it and then I'll be like, you know, oh, tearing up a little bit and then I'll be like <laughs> I should probably like make my own work today <laughs> well you never get to see that play out like it's it's a parallel to the way we develop yeah but you don't see it play I mean they tried it one season on TV an art oh art yeah show, and that <laughs> doesn't work so well no Some things are better played out in, in different arenas and I yeah. don't think that was a uh, you know here's a bucket full of garbage make art by tomorrow yeah <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't good I wonder no why. I couldn't figure out why but <laughs> it just I, it was like they're giving you rules that you are not supposed to have rules with yeah you know it goes against everything you you do as an artist like create your yeah. vision and think about your material and work over time and all that stuff and yeah and they try to squeeze it into the that formula just no work, which may be a great statement about why art is needed and why it's different than everything else. That's true. Thank you, work of art. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for taking the time out to talk. Yeah, of course. It was great to chat. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Thanks. Thanks.